You're listening to The Recovered Life Show, the show that helps people in recovery live their best recovered lives. And here is your host, Damon Frank. Welcome back to The Recovered Life Show. I am going to be talking about avoiding burnout in 2024. I have guest Grace Eidnon, a therapist at Empowered Connection Counseling in Chicago. How you doing, Grace? Hi, Damon. I'm great. How are you? I am doing so great. It is really nice uh, to talk with you about this. Uh, Grace, listen, this is a huge deal, especially post-COVID. You know, I found myself totally burned out. And uh, I was so excited to have this conversation with you because I think burnout is a big thing in recovery. And I know you're also in recovery. You're a therapist. You're doing the deal. So we're so glad to have you on the show today. Thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, of course. Uh, burnout is definitely something I am very intimately familiar with in many aspects of my life, both personally, professionally, educationally, and definitely in recovery as well. You know, Grace, can we set this up a little bit for people who are listening to this? Because I think everybody has their own interpretation of burnout. You know, one person's burnout might not be another person's burnout. Like I was telling somebody the other day, like, hey, I feel like I'm not doing enough right day to day. And he was just like, oh, I'm doing half that and I'm totally burned out. What What is burnout? Is burnout a feeling? Is it a medical thing? What What is it? Such a great question. Uh, I think what stuck out to me with what you said is like everyone's threshold for, um, you know, what they can handle uh, as far as. Uh, you know, workload or, uh, you know, the ability to have compassion or empathy, to listen to people's problems, uh, to show up fully in their relationships, everyone's threshold is is different. Um, so I think it's a hard question to answer. I think like it's a very personal uh, thing to answer. Like, you know, as someone in recovery, I think even asking ourselves, like, like are we a problem drinker? Are we an alcoholic? Like, have we reached our limit, our bottom? Um, I think we uh, are the ones to decide that. Right. So pretty much anyone that's in recovery has gone through some sort of burnout already, right? They've they, they, they've come to the end of what was working for them and they can't really take anymore. Because like, I, I love how you use the word threshold because that's how I kind of see burnout is like, there's a demarcation line, right? And then I might be okay and can manage it up to a certain point I take one little step beyond that line and then I'm really moving into burnout. And, you know, the interesting thing is, is that I don't sometimes notice that I'm burnt out until I'm already really caught up in it. I don't see those signs. What are some of the key factors that contribute to burnout? What do, what do people typically see when they're feeling burnt out? Yeah. Uh, burnout is the, 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 it's like the, the final stage, right? It's like stage four of, uh, of emotional, uh, that threshold that we were speaking of. We want to avoid that. There are many signs and signals, both, uh, you know, physically, emotionally, behaviorally that show me that I am burning out. Um, there, as I think as far as personally, it really depends on which aspect of my life. Um, why don't you tell me like where I should start as far as, yeah. uh, you know, I could start recovery. I could start professionally. So 
I've been burnt out in all kinds of ways. So you just let me know. So let's talk about recovery a little bit, because I think it's so great to have a therapist that is also in recovery because mm -hmm. they understand, you know, they understand the whole, they understand the nuance of it, right? Like I, I, I find that sometimes that sometimes therapists that are not in recovery have more of an abstract view of what the recovery process is about. They don't necessarily understand the ins and outs of it, right? Um, and and I found somewhat baffled by it, right? Like I had a therapist once that I was talking about an issue I was having in recovery uh, with a group that I had, and she just was, she just did not understand. Like, you know, like she didn't understand the higher power part of it. There was like a lot of, a phenomenal therapist, but like there there is this whole thing with being in recovery that is good as a therapist and somebody who's in recovery describe your burnout in recovery because i think the first burnout that people get typically is 12 step meetings right they just get sick of going to 12 step meetings what what was what was your burnout moment in recovery yeah i think so much for kind of pinning that down happy to talk about burnout in uh, recovery. So yeah, at first I would definitely go to five meeting, you know, I could, I would go to three meetings back to back on a Friday night because it felt like a war was going on outside. Like I would just go and go until I felt safe in order to leave and go home and, and sleep. Um, but then, like you said, eventually you get a little bit of footing underneath you, you start to build a little bit of a life outside of recovery and your needs change. Um, I would go to a place where there was a lot of new sobriety, right? You're all kind of in it together. Um, but eventually it all felt very uh, negative. Like a lot of people just kind of a lot of wallowing, a lot of people being, you know, kind of sharing personal things that were going on in their life. And especially as a therapist, that was a lot to hold after a full day of clients. So I think I wanted to kind of switch to go to like a big book study or a speak, you know, some sort of a speaker meeting, you know, that would, that had no shares. Like, I think there's a lot of different types of meetings. And if we kind of zone in on like, this is what AA is, and this is the kind of meetings that are out there, then we can create distance from our, from it and be like, oh, this, maybe this isn't for me anymore. Um, so we can shift instead of distance, if that makes sense. You know, it totally does. I, I had a very similar experience in early recovery where, you know, it was about a year into it. And I, I remember, you know, I was in a very big 12-step group in San Francisco and had a phenomenal sponsor that I, you know, I still speak with with this guy, uh, you know, quite, quite often. And I remember I would go into a lot of meetings and I, I you know, and anybody who's listening to this who is in very early sobriety, if you need those meetings, go to those meetings, right? Like, that it's it is very it's very important. And sometimes that's the only place that you could go, right? Like that is just where you need to be. But I remember this time where I was going to so many meetings. I had a lot of service commitments. He came to me and he said, "You know, Damon, uh, there's other things that you need to do in sobriety. You've got a career. You've got personal things that you're working on. Um, I think you need to drop out these meetings that aren't serving you as well and focus on those things." 
during that period of time because I was burning out. And, and you know, what happened was, is I kind of like, like most people in 12 step groups, I kind of took some of the advice, but some of the advice I didn't take, you know, and I ended up burning out in that where it just became a negative experience. Uh, go, I was not only was I not getting anything, I wasn't able to give anything right Dur during that period of time. And that was a huge sign for me. It's like, you know what? I need to take that advice and have more of a well-balanced, uh, approach to my recovery. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what I kind of, what I got out of that was uh, I was thinking about those three things that tend to show up for an alcoholic restlessness, irritability, and discontentment, and how that relates to our intuition as people in recovery. Uh, you know, at the beginning, maybe I think you alluded to this, where our intuition is shit, right? Like we don't know what is up from down. We don't know who we are. Um, I certainly didn't know who I was. I didn't know what was good for me. So I had to take everyone's advice, my sponsor's advice to be like, you need to be here at this time, this many times a week. And then, like I mentioned before, you get footing underneath you. You're maybe hopefully your my and my intuition started to come back a little bit. And so, you know, as far as how that relates to burnout, it's so important to listen to and tune in. But that is more complicated when you're when I'm an alcoholic because I, you know, there's a big part of me that doesn't think I know what's best or that other people know better than I do. So I think that listening to our intuition and learning from it uh, has definitely been a process and is ongoing for me all the time. Yeah, you know what? It is a juggle. I found that, you know, later in sobriety, uh, being burnt out with work, uh, sometimes, you know, social things, right? Just hitting, kind of hitting that demarcation line that we were talking about. And just having this feeling of one being overwhelmed and then trying to shut that down. One of the things I learned was that, you know, people in recovery have a hard time letting go, right? I have a hard time letting go. That, that was my, you know, I, for Grace, at one point, like two years of three years of my program was like the only thing I would work on was just letting go, letting go of things, right? Like, because uh, that I, I find adds to burnout as well is People that are in addiction, that are in recovery, still can sometimes be obsessive regarding certain things. That that's kind of almost a personality trait. I, I see a lot. That that's why a lot of people in recovery are very successful, because they're tenacious at being able to go out of things. But that same thing that really works for people in recovery also backfires. I don't know if you've seen that, but this inability to really let go and kind of change a little bit uh, can really lead to burnout in my opinion. Yeah, you are, I'm, I'm laughing a little cause you're just speaking my language so much. I am constantly telling myself or, you know, I'm talking to my sponsor about the, the need to let go. And when, once I think I've let go enough, I need to let go more. Like it's never, it's, I'm always clinging, forcing my will onto people, places, and things, and forcing my will onto myself, like trying to change a situation or a person in order to make it what I want, or change myself to make a situation what I want. And it's it never works out. And that really takes away faith, and it takes away God, and it burns me out because it's uh, it, it's just a spiral. Like it's it's a you can't succeed in that in that cycle. 
So yeah, letting go, um, letting go and, and knowing when to just look at something for what it is and let go of the need to fix, manage and control is uh, a very good way to not burn out. And I do it with, you know, with clients, I try to make a client relationship work. I try to make a romantic relationship work. I am in denial. And once I really accept and let go, there's so much freedom and space for what is actually for me. For all of you Recovered Life Show listeners who've battled in sobriety and are ready to level up, listen up. I'm offering a week of my accountability coaching absolutely free. This isn't just about day-to-day survival. It's about aggressively propelling your life forward. Whether you're new to sobriety or have been sober for years and are struggling to elevate your life, I'm going to be your partner for a week and help you get on track and start living the recovered life you deserve. We're not just talking about setting goals here. We're going to pursue real, tangible breakthroughs in your personal and business life. This is more than recovery. It's about owning your path and seizing the greatness you're destined for. But hurry, spaces are limited. Don't wait. Go to DamonFrank.com and claim your free week and start your journey. It's time to transform survival into thriving. Visit DamonFrank.com and book your free week now. I I I love that, and um, I I liked how you use the word kind of letting go because I and I would love it from a therapist standpoint here to talk a little bit about burnout and letting go. Sometimes people just find themselves. It's it's kind of it's 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 interesting. Like I, there's a parallel between people who are recovered alcoholics and people who are recovered drug addicts and burnout. A lot of the times it's like they see maybe signs of alcoholism and then all of a sudden they find themselves an alcoholic. And I find the same thing with burnout with people with burnout. It's like, yeah, something's not right. Then all of a sudden they find themselves, I am totally burnt out. Like I can't process anything. I can't take another call. I can't watch another YouTube video. It's like, I have way pushed myself to the limit and now I'm not productive at all. Right. From a therapist's point, how do you get, how do you start to dial back for that? When you realize it's like, man, I am burnt out uh, for whatever reason, right? I am burnt out. How do you start to kind of dial that back and get to a place where you're recovering from burnout? Hmm. Yeah. And just to clarify, would you like me to talk about kind of like the the signs before that threshold? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. So personally, I start to dread things. I start to feel avoidant uh, and just disengaged. Like when I know I have, you know, I'm sitting here waiting for a client to start. And this is really, you know, vulnerable because it's no one's fault. Um, But I start to like see them in the waiting room and I'm like, oh my gosh, like, I, how am I going to do this? Like, I hope they cancel. (laughs) And I, when I'm not burnt out, I I'm so I'm like excited or at least neutral, um, to that starting point. So 
I think just feeling disengaged, even though like, even though logically, you know that you love this thing and yet there's something missing. There's something that is making you want to avoid it. That's definitely a first sign. Um, how I, how I manage that is I am really honest. I'm honest with my supervisor. I'm honest with my sponsor. I'm really lucky to have a supervisor who I can be really honest with. He knows I'm in recovery. Uh, he is really relatable in a lot of ways to the things that I experience and letting him know, having, having him kind of be a, a, a container for some of the negative thoughts I have about myself or about my work and talking through that is a really great first step. Yeah. You're talking a lot about feelings too. You know, what are some of those feelings that people have that they might be in burnout, right? Because I think a lot of times awareness is really what we're looking for in recovery, right? Like, um, to be able to say, hey, what's really going on here? Like, because I think so many times I have been in burnout and the question I used to just get wrapped up into it, right? Into the people, places, and things that you were saying. Mm. Now in my recovery, after kind of doing a lot of the work, and I think also working with others helped too because you could you could see it in other people and then you see it in yourself, is that I now tend to kind of ask myself, Grace, like, What's really going on here? Like, am I, you know, am I dreading dealing with this client or doing this thing because of the client or because of the work or whatever? Or is it something else that's going on in my life? And I'm just kind of showing it through this, right? Um, how many people have that experience? Like in your experience with people with burnout, what's that inner dialogue that needs to change with them to make it, something where you could start to recognize that you're either heading there or you're there. Hmm. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I think leading up to that, you know, I was going to mention something that I really pay attention to now um, is if I am over empathizing or under empathizing with someone in my life. So if I'm over empathizing that means that I'm trying to fix. I'm like trying to convince them to do something differently. I'm like, see the way, see the way that I see it. And you will, you'll, you'll change and feel better. And then if I'm under empathizing, I'm pushing them away. I'm getting frustrated. I am getting avoidant. So kind of finding that balance and noticing when I'm doing that. And I think it applies in lots of, in all different kinds of relationships. And I think, I think that the feeling what's going, what's really going on with me is that I want, if, I, I, I think it's a little bit of maybe codependency. Like if you change, then I would feel better. And maybe that's shame. I think is, is the root of a lot of it, of I feel incapable or I feel like I like the world lands on my shoulders and it doesn't. I think burnout really can, we get a lot of messages that burnout is our fault and there's so much going on in the world that we uh, carry on our shoulders and 
We don't need to do that. It's not our responsibility and it's not our role. So when we notice that we're doing that and taking on more than we need to in the moment, we it it won't keep piling up yeah. to that point. Yeah, I love that. You know, um, I'd also like to talk about the dreaded M words, mindfulness and meditation, which drive me crazy, Grace. Like I, you know, and the reason it drives me crazy is because I know it works. And we've got a a regular uh, Recovery Life contributor that comes on, Kevin, who is a mindfulness and meditation person. And, you know, and he, uh, you know, every time he says, Damon, he's like, you know, are you doing your meditation? Are you doing your mind? You know, and I go, no, I, I just, I, I didn't schedule it in today. I did, it, right? And I know it works. Like, I know meditation and mindfulness works. I have such a resistance to it, especially if I'm starting to burn out. My resistance is bigger. It's, it's, it's very, it's very interesting. Can we talk about that? The whole mindfulness meditation thing to kind of as a prevention to burnout, because I do feel it stops it in its tracks. It's one of the only things that I've, you know, even meditating for 15 minutes, you know, and I'm Grace, I have to tell you, I'm the worst. Like if, if we had the worst meditators in the world, it would be, it would be me. Like, you know, like I'm not good at it. Um, if there's any such thing. Can we talk about that a little bit, this whole idea of meditation and mindfulness to kind of help get that burnout under control? Hmm. I, I was fighting this instinct to challenge you on the narrative that you're not good at it. I wonder like what ways that you do implement mindfulness or meditation. I think there's a lot of different ways, maybe it's maybe it's like editing or maybe it's a, uh, you know, taking a walk or like doing a craft, like you don't, it, you know, meditation and mindfulness. I think that there's like these definitions of what it is. And I think people practice it in a lot of ways that they don't realize. So I just wanted yeah. to. Oh, I'm to horrible with myself. My, my, <laughs> the inner dialogue with myself sometimes I'm harder on myself than anyone. So yeah, I let, like my, every time I tell Kevin this too, he's like, you know, Damon, there is, you, you didn't, you didn't screw up the meditate. There's no way to like, you're not perfect. It's not like you can't win it. You know what I mean? And, and I think that's where I go there, you know, cause just being in business and kind of being a, a more of a high performance person, I'm like, okay, how am I going to win meditation? And I'm, that's a wrong conversation already. I totally know that. <laughs> uh, but it's so funny because that is the dialogue that also leads to the burnout it, it getting rid of that inner dialogue is what puts me on the path to more serenity, right? How do you use that? Like, you know, as a therapist, as somebody who's gone through burnout, uh, dealing with clients, how do you implement that, Grace? Like, uh, do you just tell people, hey, you know, stop during the day, do 20 minutes of uh, meditation? Like, what what's your practice with this? And what do you tell people to do? Mm, yeah, so... Mindfulness and meditation. Yeah. Mindfulness is important because if I don't look at something, I can't change it. If I'm not aware, like we have to bring something into our field of awareness if we're going to do anything about it. And in, in my world, it's so easy to go on autopilot, mm -hmm. uh, you know, to distract myself on my phone, to distract myself with, you know, self-pity and anger and resentment, all those things that, you know, take me away from God and, and take me away from the moment, which is all we have. Right. Um, but it's so hard to be in it. Um, I think what I 
I really try to meet people where they're at. And I try to meet people. I try to meet myself where I'm at. Like I uh, really like waking up and having, I mean, I have ADHD too. So I, I literally have to schedule every moment of my day. And if it's, if it's not in the schedule, I won't do it. So I have, I wake up, I make my bed, I make coffee. I do. I, I read my little meditation book, which is the language of letting go by Melody Beatty. If anyone's interested uh, on the topic of letting go, um, you know, it's just a quick meditation. It has a prayer at the end. I thank God for, uh, you know, I, I pray for sobriety at the beginning of the day. I, I have a gratitude list. Um, so that's how I implement prayer and mindfulness. Um, I also think the structure of AA does a really good job of implementing mindfulness, which is if you have an issue, call your sponsor. Um, if you, you know, call three AAs a day, take that time to be mindful, to get out of your own head, to tell people what's up. Um, and I think like that also just takes away from, from autopilot. Huge. That, that is such great advice. You know, um, it, it's, it's interesting. Like a lot of the times in recovery, I found there is this very fine balance, you know, and the people I've either sponsored through 12 step or worked with for accountability coaching, sometimes there's a stall in recovery right? Where it's just like the best I can do is maybe get to a meeting, maybe call my sponsor and just do the bare minimum, right? Like, and that's where I was like, you know, at 28 years old, that's where, honestly, Grace, that's where I was. It took me a year just to be able to do basic things, honestly, you know, it's been a long path for me. Um, and I've done a lot in recovery, but I find that like, you have to push yourself in recovery. You know, you really, you do, you have to ask those, Hey, why am I always doing this? Like, why am I not? Right. So there's this, there's always this balance of like, am I being unrealistic with myself? Right. Or am I not pushing myself enough? And I think technology and social media and all of this stuff is such a distraction from what's really going on, right? Like, how does that, how, how does this whole social media thing turn into burnout? Because like, I found that like, even with myself, and I'm aware of this, but man, like I've got the phone, I'm sleeping with the phone next to me. I'm like, you know, it's causing me burnout by constantly having to check in with a source that doesn't even care about me, right? Like, you know, it's like, constantly checking emails, text messages, things like that. I found myself saying, you know what, man, I got to just ditch for, for a couple of days, social media, email, text messaging. How do you get that life work, work balance, Grace? What do you tell people who maybe that's causing their burnout? It's digital burnout. Mm -hmm. What's the steps you take to kind of move away from that? Yeah. So, I mean, the first, what you were talking about was, uh, you, what brought that up for me, what, what that brought up for me was the difference between talking to my clients about burnout and talking to my sponsees about burnout, right? Like my role as a therapist and my role as someone who's in AA is so different. And like, they kind of even collide sometimes, yes. 
like I mentioned before, meeting someone where they're at is very therapist minded. But being in AA, it's more like do this because I know what's good for you and you should do this, right? Which is like a totally different mindset. Um, so blending those, it, it, separating those things is, is, is harder than I thought it would be uh, and is an obstacle that I didn't really expect. So with my clients, I am more like, oh, that doesn't work for you. Let's find different options. Maybe this works, maybe that works. And if my sponsee says, well, praying in the morning doesn't work for me, you know, I'll be like a little more harsh maybe and be like, well, like you still need to do it. Like you need to do it and then give it time and then tell me, tell me how that works for you. Yeah. So that, that was the first point. Um, and then as far as digital burnout, I mean, before I move on, did you have any that you no, no, to... that was that was great. I was just going to say that that is the, you know, a lot of times I find in recovery is people will say, oh, I'm burnt out. It's like, well, you know what? Staying sober isn't really an option. So if you if you have to be burnt out and stay sober, then that's where you're going to be. Right. Like you have to physically stay sober. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. So it's uh, it's I think a lot of in being in recovery is, you know, we do things that we don't necessarily want to do because it keeps us sober. Um. And in therapy, that has its place as well. But it's just like how I get that information across is a little different, um, more gentle or like, uh, yeah, more padding on it, I think. Um, but <laughs> as far as social or social media burnout, I'm very, very familiar with this as well as a younger millennial. Um, I like I said before, my day is completely scheduled out. Um, I have the, I, I'm a big app girly. So I have a lot of apps that keep my life organized. And I even have an app called Opal that I paid for. So it will block apps. So I, I have a block after 11. I have a block during the workday. I mean, I have to be, I have to be treated like I'm five with it. Like, honestly, um, in order to prevent burnout. So if you're struggling out there, like I, we, we all are. Um, and so, and like, I think it's interesting how technology has advanced beyond, I mean, not to make a, you know, there's, I, I haven't done the research on this, so I don't know exactly, but it's like advanced beyond our ability. It's like technology is more advanced than our brains. So like it knows before we do, it knows how to suck us in. So I think people get a lot of shame around it. And we can't really make change when we're in shame with burnout, with addiction, any of that. Like you, there's a lot, we have reasons for why we do the things we do, but that doesn't necessarily create change on its own. Absolutely. You know, like we already know, like they've already admitted the fact that, you know, they're taking the technology and they're using addiction patterns of people who are, who are addiction to be able to, you know, feed you a bunch at one time notifications, things like that. I just find that, you know, like I, I'm doing something this week where I'm going to be hanging out with my daughter and she's been away to college. So it's like, it's, we don't have a lot of time together. So I'm actually just going to take the phone, put it in the glove box when we're out, right? Like, because I, you know, uh, being able to separate from that, even if it's just going for a walk and not constantly be listening to a podcast or doing work or doing something like that, I find is that huge buffer, you know, it's that buffer that really makes the difference for me 
if I'm going to go down that burnout road, you know? Um, Grace, final thoughts here. If people are listening to this and they're saying, yeah, Damon, Grace, you know, I I hear all this stuff, but I, that's not going to work for me. I'm never going to be able to get out of burnout. I'm always constantly burning out. What would be your final thoughts for them? Hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've talked a lot of, we've had a lot of terms flying around, right? I think like the top three that come to mind from today is, you know, intent, like mindfulness, you know, uh, intentionality, intuition, and like, I mean, and maybe a fourth letting go. So that's, a, those are all big concepts, really difficult to actually in, implement and integrate into our lives, but they're so crucial. Um, you know, if uh, not, nothing changes, if nothing changes, and if you keep burning out, chances are you're, you're in the wrong spot probably right like professionally maybe that your relationships need re-examining and if you keep if you keep hitting the same point again and again then you get to choose when you've had enough information right like we can reach bottoms right like a we have that word where we reach a bottom you can you get to choose you get to choose when you stop digging and that can be wherever you want uh, you have more power than you think you do. I love it. Stop digging. That that's that's what I think we should name this episode. Stop digging. Grace, thank you so much for coming on the show today, guys. We're gonna put links on how you can reach Grace at Empowered Connections Counseling in Chicago in the show notes, and you can reach out to her through that. Grace, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you, Damon. Thanks for having me. Sometimes addiction recovery can be a lonely battle, but you don't have to fight it alone. At Recovered Life, we're dedicated to helping you live your best recovered life. And that's why we're inviting you to subscribe to our free weekly newsletter. Every week, we carefully curate exclusive content from leading minds in addiction recovery, mental health, and all things important to the recovery lifestyle. Stay in the know with the latest news about addiction and get exclusive invitations to special recovery-focused events and explore insights tailored to support recovery from alcoholism, drug addiction, codependency, disordered eating, dysfunctional family dynamics, gambling, and so much more. With our newsletter, each week becomes an opportunity for growth, healing, and taking a step closer to the life you deserve. Take your first step towards a brighter future today. Go to recoveredlife.us and subscribe for free. Sign up now at recoveredlife.us.